Hi, I'm Dennis Scott, and you're listening to a podcast where nostalgia comes alive. It's Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show. Roll it! Welcome to Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show, the podcast where nostalgia comes alive. Since July of 2021, Jake and his friends have interviewed professionals in the worlds of acting, directing, writing, puppeteering, and many more. Who will they be chatting with in this week's interview? Find out in this Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show episode. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show, where nostalgia comes alive. Happy to be with us today. As always, I'm your host, Jake Duffenbaumery, today as always, uh, co-host Chris Bixby and Matt Bingo. How you guys doing? Doing good. good. Hi everybody, how you doing, Jakey? That's great to hear, guys. I'm doing great, as always. Thank you for asking. Yes, of course. And who do we have today? Well, today's guest we have for today, he's an actor. You may know him as Speed Delivery himself, Mr. McFeely, in the long-running PS series, Mr. Watcher's Neighborhood. We, will, of course, will be chatting with him about him on the show for so many years, touring around the country, you know, meeting the fans, children, and adults, all adults alike, and and you're also going to bring up his documentary, Speed Delivery, and many others that we can touch base on later. Please welcome Mr. David Newell. How are you here, David? How are you here? How are you? Speed Delivery, I'm fine. I'm, I'm ready to, to uh, tell you all about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, Jake. Your name is Jake, right? Yes. yes. His name is Jake. I got, I got it right because Jake is also... Uh, our grandson's name so uh I'll, oh, I'll wow. Wow. wow that's oh. awesome nice that's really cool nice and quickly before <laughs> we awful. start a uh, special thanks to previous guest uh dennis scott for kind of yes. connecting us yes, yes. hi dennis Be- thank you dennis oh, thank hi, you if you're watching this yes <laughs> yeah oh, dennis, dennis i know dennis well dennis dennis of nashville right yes mm-hmm. that's yes, the one he's, he's wonderful yes indeed <laughs> thank so, you dennis <laughs> yes so, so to kick things off, so for those who don't know you, can you tell our audience a bit about yourself and what you do? What you want me to explain, Matt? You say, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, uh, well, I don't know where to begin. This has been I this we started in 1967 taping Mister Rogers' Neighborhood, and uh, I played and still am playing actually the speedy delivery man mr mcfeely on mr rogers neighborhood and it now it's still on it's still being shown on public television on the weekends and it's on you can still see mr rogers it's on pbskids.org on online they have about 300 on so i'm still uh, making deliveries in the neighborhood but how i got onto the program was that I was in 1967, before all of you were born, I was in London visiting my cousin and a mutual friend who knew Fred Rogers and me, but I didn't know Fred, sent me a telegram to make a long story short. He said, Fred Rogers is taking the regional Mr. Rogers neighborhood national and I'm setting up an appointment with Fred Rogers for you to join the cast and the crew, et cetera. So when you in Pittsburgh in September of 1967 you're meeting with him and that's what I did and we spoke for a whole hour Fred Rogers and myself and he never talked about the job all that he talked about was traveling and children's programming just things in general and I think that was his way of interviewing me and at the end of that hour or thereabouts 
he said, well, when can you start? And I said, right away. And here I am. And that was, that was 50 some years ago. And uh, here I am making delivery still. In fact, this weekend, I'll be in West Palm Beach, Florida at a Comic-Con. Uh, meeting and greeting fans at a Comic-Con. And last uh, week I was in Chicago and working with uh, our other production is called Donkey Hody. That's another. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, I yeah, love that show. Such a wonderful show. show. I was awesome. there and I made a little uh, online, uh, some online um, interviews for it that they'll show promoting the second season because mm -hmm. they're yes, starting... Yes. The second season and a new puppet is on it, which is a turtle puppet. Turtle Lou is its name. And he has yeah. a uniform like Mr. McFeely. It says speedy delivery. So I had a little. Oh, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Last uh, last week. So here I am. Uh, 50 some years later, still delivering in other programs. So it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience and a wonderful a wonderful career and i'm still still working and i love every day of it definitely oh, and you all look like you enjoy wonderful. what you're doing too yes absolutely. we do yes, yes we, do. we absolutely yes. do we've yes, been on the show for over there's a saying years. have you ever heard of the saying uh, it's um, something about uh, when you choose a career or a a job make sure it's something you love because you'll never oh, work yeah. a day in your life you've heard yes. that yes i have oh, heard yeah. that yes it's cor it's a corny expression but it's so true i've never worked a day in my exactly. life and here i am talking to you guys so uh yes. are, are any other questions yeah you know i have a I was just seeing yesterday, uh, speaking of Don Quixote, uh, they did an appearance on uh, Daytime Chicago, I think it was, over at the WGN. Yes. Um, yes. I, I saw uh, Frankie Cordero, for who those who do not know, puppeteers uh, Purple Panda on Don Quixote. And there was this yes. really, really, really amazing video of Purple Panda just walking around the set seeing like bozo the clown which was on chicago television for quite a long time from what i understand uh yeah. really 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 great how those are just crossing over and like like we said don quixote is such a wonderful show um and we're we've been very excited about the second season starting up uh, well let that and i hope some of your viewers will give it a, a tune in it's on all public television stations around yes, the country yep. as is as is daniel tiger's neighborhood which yes, is sort of the runner-up right. to mr rogers and, mm -hmm. and then mr rogers neighborhood is on some public stations on the weekends and online as i said before so they're all still available you can see from the first day to the current current yep. productions of what uh, fred's legacy is you know you know i don't know if you know he started <clears throat> excuse me in 1954 with a program called the children's corner I and heard that about was just that, yeah. local i've heard of it you've heard of it yeah yeah it was a local program in pittsburgh only and he was the puppeteer and but king friday was on that and daniel tiger was on it but there was a host host uh, in front of the camera her name was josie carey fred you didn't see you just heard his voice and saw the puppets but that came about 
he went to Canada and on the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting, is where Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood started. And he came in front of the camera at that time. And from that time on, Mr. he was in the front of the camera till uh, 2003, where when he passed away, we did, uh, we did Mr. Rogers from the 50s and to, into the into the next century 2003 so it's been a long long run and now those programs are still showing the neighborhood but his legacy continues Absolutely. and i'm very we, we, proud to yes. be a small part of all that yes yes, yes. it's it's wonderful so, there's the legacy that's still going sort of how it all began uh how i got involved with it nice mm-hmm. any nice. other things you've been thinking about or what Oh, we oh, we've had quite a bit to think about. Um, oh yes. <laughs> so so I'm curious. Prior to becoming an actor, how did you grow up, and what was your childhood like? Oh, I I had a wonderful childhood. Uh, I was an only child, and my grandfather took me to my first play. I saw a play that the name of it was Harvey. I don't know if you know that name. It's a about a rabbit, a man who thinks he sees a, he has a friend, an invisible rabbit. He can see the rabbit, but no one else can. It was a very popular play in New York and it toured the country with an actor whose name is Joe E. Brown. I don't know if you ever heard of that name, but he was very famous in the thirties, a very famous film star. To make a long story short, my grandfather took me to see it, a very whimsical, play was professional company professional touring company i saw that and i came home and recreated the entire play in our basement i used sheets for a curtain and i had orange crates for furniture and i did all the parts myself and i think that was the genesis of my interest in theater which then spilled over into television and that's and that's how i began that's that's again a very speedy description (laughs) you know but i uh, but i uh, but i get i thank my grandfather for for doing that and he took me to uh stage plays uh when i was a kid almost every weekend or a movie or something that uh he knew i was interested in and then i i one thing led to another and i made a career out of it so uh and it couldn't be a, a more fulfilling career because Working on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, you felt you were doing something in the media that was directly helpful to young children and and families. And that has always been uh, a plus for me, knowing that my time doing all these years, I was a very small part of a bigger production, but I enjoyed every moment of it and, and was pleased to be able to help Fred Rogers in his mission. And the neighborhood was a mission for him. He wanted to create good television for young children, and that he did. Absolutely. Yep. You know, Absolutely. I was, I, I was, I was thinking about that play, and it reminded me of how all those years on Sesame Street, uh, Big Bird only knew Snuffy, but he didn't get revealed until 1985, and it just, it just reminded me of that. Like only for a long time. Only Big Bird knew Snuffy. No one else did. <laughs> it was... Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Very and, and then they did, right? Then Snuffy and then they made did. an appearance, right? And then and then, mm-hmm. and then and then he was revealed in 1985 
to the rest of the That's human right. cast. And I remember being at uh, a taping of uh, Sesame when the day that Mr. Rogers visited Sesame Street and I was uh, with him. Uh, and that yes, day, he they had yes, Snuffleupagus wasn't on. He wasn't on that day, but they had him how they stored Snuffleupagus, the puppet, he was very big, was in mm -hmm. the flies. You could look up into the fly gallery and the lights and there was Snuffy. Uh, <laughs> and, but then shortly thereafter, as you said, they introduced him to the, the, the audience. But, and uh, we had Big Bird, of course, on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Yes. Uh, and Carol Spinney was a good, a good friend. He was oh, a delightful man. Yes, absolutely. and the last time I saw him, we were at a comic con together, uh, uh, and that yeah. was pre-COVID. And he he passed away. I guess it's been about three years now. Yeah, but Carol yeah. was a wonderful man and a wonderful sense of humor. And he did, you know, he did the voice of of Big Bird. But he also yes. did uh, Oscar, I believe. Oscar, yes, yes he, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Oh, yes. yes, he did. And he brought Oscar with him to one of the comic cons too. Uh, so I got a chance to get a picture taken with Carol, mm. Oscar, and myself. And his wife, Debbie, is a wonderful person. She traveled oh, with yes. him and, and helped him. And it was such an experience working with uh, the cast. And the last Comic-Con I think we did, I was there, Bob McGrath, Carol Spinney, um, and uh, Gordon, uh, and yes. Uh, yes. Emilio. And Emilio oh, yes. just passed away. Yeah. But he was a wonderful, they were all such wonderful people. And I was so sorry, we never got a chance to work together much during our taping years, but after afterwards we did. So I got to know them and they're all so wonderful. It was all, I always look forward to spending a, a couple of days with them at these comic cons. Yes. And I don't know if uh, who I'll meet this, this weekend at comic con, but uh, if anybody sees this or hears this and they live in uh, South South Florida, uh, stop by the uh, South Florida Convention Expo Center. They'll know where it is, I'm sure. That's where yeah. I'll be. Nice. But I'll be there as David Newell, not Mr. Feely. Right. Uh, right. So I won't be in costume, but I'll, I'll look like this, even yeah. with my glasses on. <laughs> Even even in San Diego, you're you're always you know Mr. McFeely, even you're not in the costume, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm always Mr. McFeely. That's right, speedy delivery. Yes, and yes. <laughs> I always get that when I'm somewhere. In fact, I was at the bank the other day. Of, oh, I think I was opening a, an account so I could keep money in account so I could just pay bills that way, a separate account, so I didn't have to. And and his he filled out my application and everything the 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 banker the officer at the bank who was filling this out said say it say it i said say what say what he said speedy delivery so i said speedy delivery. and i get that all the time get uh, people ask me to say speedy delivery that's wonderful that's wonderful so now i'm kind of curious Working are there... on the program Oh yes, absolutely. Pardon so, now, so, so now I'm I'm kind of curious. Are there any episodes or speed deliveries you you did that kind of like stick out as some of your favorites? Yes. Oh yes. There's one in particular with a lot, but 
the one is my favorite, I think, is uh, Margaret Hamilton, mm-hmm. The Wicked yep. Witch uh, of the West. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, yes. you know, that how all that came to be is the treasure's his own material. I would say 95% of everything you've seen in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, he wrote. He had some writers that helped him flush out some scripts, but he would put the final touches on it. And I told him one day, do you ever think of dealing with scary images, you know, like monsters? Because a lot of people told me that shows over again on, on commercial television is special. And people would say, you know, I'm now an adult and that witch still scares me. <laughs> and I said, Fred, <laughs> do you think we could ever do a show about demystifying scary images? And I said, for instance, Margaret Hamilton, people are still scared of that that image. And he said to me, Fred said to me, if you can find Chris, I'll write the script. And I found her. And, and you bring in a musical called Little Night Music. And it was Boston at the time. And I flew there with my wife and we met Margaret and took some potential scripts to her. And she said, I'd love to do this. And I think the process of finding Margaret and planning scripts with Fred was my favorite. So since she became a friend, uh, every Sunday night, she would call our home and, and, talk to us and when our son was born we have three kids and our second son was born she flew to pittsburgh lived in new york to see him i Uh, picked her up at the airport and she came to our house and she stayed for a couple hours and then she said well i've got to go back as a job tomorrow drove back to the airport but when she arrived she came in our kitchen door and our neighbor called us on the phone and did I just see the Wicked Witch of the West going into your kitchen? <laughs> <laughs> That's Margaret Hamilton. And uh, I explained the situation to our son, Taylor, who's now in his early 40s and has three kids, and two kids, rather, and lives in New York City. So right not far from where Margaret actually lived in New York City. She lived in Gramercy Park, and uh, that's not too far from where our son lives. So it's, it's it made quite a circle. That was so to answer your question, that was one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. Definitely. And why mm-hmm. am I funny enough? We actually um watched the two episodes earlier today before doing this, which is the daycare and night care and the competition episodes. Uh-huh. Yeah. The competition where Big Bird was in yes. the land make believe. Yes. Yes. yes, he so did. Awesome. He did. And the what what you didn't see in that program was when Fred wrote the script, he, the opening of the show, he wanted Carol Spinney to come in with the Big Bird costume and show children how it's pretend. Wow. But he, Carol, did, felt, he felt he didn't want to do that. Take the costume. Yeah, I can see that. I can see children. It, it, it may be, it is so iconic, maybe it wouldn't be a good idea. In Fred's mind, it was showing that these scary objects, sometimes kids are afraid of Big Bird because it's so big, but mm-hmm. cost is a cost. That's what he wanted to get across. But we decided, okay, we will do that. Yeah, I can't, I can't we'll even, Big Bird, you know, Big Bird's Big Bird. Into the neighborhood you know. make it worked fun. Right. Yeah, 
That's right, it is Big Bird. So I think I think it, we did it the right way, but it was a wonderful visit. Uh, and that's when we first met Carol, Carol Spinney. And um, he enjoyed his time in the, in the neighborhood and uh, visited mm-hmm. with Red and we program out of it. And it's running the uh, Big Bird episodes and the Margaret Hamilton episodes. On the lo- online, there are about 400 running of the, the latest programs we did. So I hope your viewers try to catch some of them. Definitely, and um, and yeah. one of my one of my uh, favorite uh, talking about a uh, speedy deliveries. I always loved whenever uh, you deliver the tapes that show like how to how like how certain things how are it's made, made factory segments. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I, I, I always thought I always those. thought those were fascinating. I was always fascinated by that. Yeah, you know, that's interesting because uh, children like them, but the adults when they watch the program with their children. They always say that is my favorite part of the program as an adult. You know, they like the how people make things. And we did about two or three hundred of those. Yeah. And we went to a oh a guitar, a guitar factory. We went to how tofu is made. We went to, you know, the famous one. <laughs> yeah, yeah how, how crayons are made. How, yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I knew so we were going to say that. That's the one everybody uh, remembers because everybody has some association there's not a person i don't think in this world that hasn't had a crayon in their hands at one time of their life right we all know what it is. and it's fascinating to see the process but also we went back that was done in crayola factory in i think eastern pennsylvania or in, in the east part of pennsylvania hmm. but years later they added to their line sort of a magic marker set of crayons you know the the liquid mm-hmm. and we went back to see how they make those because a lot of children were getting those magic why they didn't call magic markers it's probably a trade name but i'm saying it because you know the what i mean a felt the felt tip type of markers crayola made those under their name and we went back to see to see how they made those because children were uh, playing with it the other one that they that we well, one of my favorites is how construction paper is made. Because when you think of it, all children have some construction paper in their lives in the early days of preschool and kindergarten. And that's the audience for the show. And Fred wanted to show that these things don't magically appear like a crayon or a piece of paper or some food, that it takes a person to do these and that's what he wanted to emphasize he always showed if you remember in the films he always showed people doing something with whatever they were making people putting them crayons in a box people stirring the the paint or whatever but that's what he wanted to uh, emphasize because it takes a person right and i think that came through definitely mm-hmm. so so Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood also uh, <laughs> dealt with a lot of uh, serious topics on the show. Are there any kind of topics the show dealt with that you'd say you're most fond of? Let's see. I One that I think I noticed Chris Bixby. That reminded me. That's your name, Chris Bixby, right? Mm-hmm. And that reminded me, now that ties in, because the one week we did was a week on superheroes. 
And one time I saw in the newspaper a small article of a little boy who tied a towel around his neck and jumped off the garage thinking he could fly like Superman. And, you know, he hurt himself. He was okay, but he hurt himself. And that was the article. And I, I said to Fred, you know, here's this story about this little boy. Do you think we could ever do something about Superman or the superheroes to let children know it's pretend? You know, and we're not trying to demystify it and say, and do anything negative about it. We're just saying it's pretend. So we couldn't get the rights to do Superman because of it's tied up. But we did get the rights uh, or the right to invite Bill Bixby on the program and to talk about the Incredible Hulk, which mm, which yes. is, has the same idea. There's a, oh. a, a, a scary Hulk. That's In fact, the reason I thought of the Incredible Hulk after a while was that our daughter, who was three or four at the time, turned the TV on. That on a, a 8.30 at night, she turned the TV on. She was supposed to go to bed didn't and she had nightmares because she saw this Hulk she didn't understand so we uh, Bill Bixby had us come to the Universal Studios in Los Angeles and we watched Bill we watched uh, you know get in get the makeup that he wore and the fright wig had a green wig and he had a prosthetic nose and then the makeup people put green green paint all over him and we watched that and we taped it. We showed that on the show. And then we went into the studio, talked to Bill Bixby, and he explained that uh, what they're doing is pretend. And he showed us an airplane that they were using in the program. It was only looked like it was flying, you know, miles in the sky because it was four feet off the floor. We, he broke down the very part of it and said, this is our form of pretending, creating purple, the the, the uh, Incredible Hulk. And so that was a favorite of mine. And I think that helped. Uh, we got some letters afterwards saying, you know, up to the point where, where my son saw the Incredible Hulk, he was always afraid of uh, very thing, images like that. And when he saw that uh, this was somebody who was like Halloween costume in a way, he was okay, he understood it, and, he, and it didn't frighten him so much. He still was a little apprehensive, but he, he, it interpreted the scariness for him, his pretend. And I think that was a, a favorite of mine, of, of just putting that all together and helping children in that way, helping them understand uh, what's real and what's pretend. Because, you know, young children three, four-year-olds, they don't separate fantasy and reality. Everything is made together for them. Definitely. They know the difference between pretend and reality. So it's helpful to for our audience to explain all that to them. Break it down in the best way we can. And we did. And that was a, another favorite episode in life. As you you were asked before, of all the serious programs we did, I think that was one of my mm -hmm. favorites and one that really helped and many people. Definitely. Absolutely. So, Bill was, he was a wonderful person. Yeah, yes. I can imagine, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, yeah. I, can, I can imagine he was wonderful. Yeah. I'm curious, do you have any favorite songs yes. from Mr. Rogers? Because there were a lot of songs for the show. Do you have any favorite? Oh, he, he wrote he wrote about 200 
and he wrote them all himself. He did the music and the lyrics. There were some lyrics that some other people gave to him, but I would say again, mm -hmm. 95% of the music and the songs are all written by Fred. And I think uh, the one song that I like that we used with we, we did on angry feelings, what do you do with the mad that you feel, that you yes. feel so mad you can fight? Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. song came directly from a young child that Fred mm -hmm. was visiting in a, right. in a daycare center. He was, yes. he was very angry, that little boy, about something. And that came out of his mouth, just Fred, just as I just, just as I just said. And Fred put words to it. And I think that is so helpful to other children hearing about angry feelings. And there's ways that you can deal with your angry feelings that you don't hit somebody or or destroy something when you're angry, but you find other ways of releasing that anger, especially in young children, like punching a bag or see how fast you can run or get that mm -hmm. anger by doing yep. something that's not Quest, harmful to no. others. And I think yeah, that's... No. It, pardon me. It's uh, uh, you don't just uh, you know clay or some dough. It, yeah, you know, like like punch yeah. some clay or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes. No, yeah. Well, you guys know the lyrics. Yeah, punch some clay or some dough. Uh, see how fa uh, invite some dough. friends or something. See how fast you can go. Yeah, it's easy to. It's easy to. Uh, in other words, it's it's a song about self control. You know, yes. that you have the power to decide that you're yeah. not going to be destructive or angry or hurt somebody else. Yeah. And it's uh -huh. very subtle in a way, but it's teaching children to to about their own their their they're in charge of their own emotions and yes. what they do. And that, a lot of the songs are like that. That was and then he wrote a song, well, the last song, uh it's such a good feeling uh, and everybody oh, yeah. knows, but, they, yes. but everybody knows, won't you be my neighbor? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Did you see the Tom Hanks movie? Yes, I did. Beautiful movie. Wonderful movie. Yeah, it, it is. And it's now, I think they have it running on one of the cable systems and they repeat it, but I had a cameo in it. So if you ever see it, you'll see it see me in a restaurant at, at, at a table right towards the end of the film. And the producers said they won, wanted to have that scene because at the table, was, I was there, but some other cast members, not, not a cast member, people who worked on the staff were also at the, at the table. And he wanted to salute them, the producer of, so we got a little salute from the uh, producers of that movie. Nice. And Tom Hanks was Tom Hanks was such a wonderful person. He's very oh yeah, it's very talented, very very, very, very talented. talented guy. Yeah, too. Very, and he and three of us know a lot of his work. So yeah. <laughs> we grew up watching his acting work too. So it's, yes, we did. He's he, he he did a good job. Uh, did you did you you saw you all saw the film then right? Yes. 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 Oh. yes. Well, so, I think people ask me, what do you think of? Tom Hanks is Mr. Rogers. I always tell them, you know, nobody can be exactly like somebody else, but I think Tom Hanks got the essence of who Fred was in that film. You, 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 you believed it. You believed that was Fred. You just, you all, you were conscious that it was Tom Hanks, 
but he did a good job and it was up for a, wow. i think he was up for a best actor that that year for uh portraying yeah uh, fred rogers and that's right that so, yeah. he didn't win but that he was up for it anyhow it's a compliment but he's won so many that i didn't <laughs> you can't feel sorry for tom hanks he's he's yeah. won so many he's such a good actor oh yeah, yeah. So, you know you know voicing woolly and toy story you know Toy Story, yes. Gump, Forrest Gump, you know, Ch- Turner, Turner and Hooch, like so many wonderful movies that he's yes. done. Oh, oh and, the, and the most recent one I saw was A Man Called Otto. Did you see that? The Man Called Otto is just his I've heard most recent that. one that I know of. I've heard of it. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. It's A Man Called Otto, and he plays a man that is very fussy, and it's a comedy drama. And as we're seeing, he does a terrific job, but just another facet of one of the people he plays. And he was excellent in early on in his career in the movie called Philadelphia, which I thought he was wonderful in, uh, Tom Hanks. So if you see a man called Otto, it's probably on uh, cable now on one of the uh, systems, you know, Netflix or something. You yeah. should try to catch it. It's very good. Definitely. Yeah. I'm not in now, no. <laughs> yeah, right. you you had mentioned uh, what do you do with the mad? Did you feel? Uh, yeah, I don't know, yeah. I don't know. One of the lyrics that, that that I like about what he for that song is a boy, a girl can be someday a lady, and a boy can be someday boy, a man. man. Yeah, yes. I I, yeah. I remember watching on YouTube a while back uh, when Mister Rogers went up to the Senate back in May of 1969. Yes, and he had uh-huh. used he had used that song to convince the senate uh, i think it was 20 million dollars at the time for yeah, public uh-huh. funding yes it was yes and, yeah and then and then he was like that's wonderful i think it would just turn 20 just million the 20 million dollars yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes that was that was uh what was that senator's name it was senator pastor uh it's the pastor yes yeah, that's, the right. Pastor, yeah. And and right. Like, that's right i used to be a pretty tough guy but this is my first time i have goosebumps, goosebumps for the last two days well, yeah <laughs> and he was he was a tough guy. He was known for being uh, sort of curmudgeon, you know, very yeah. smart and very, very fair. But he he thought, oh, what is this public television? Why are they getting 20 million? I think he was also very uh, conscious of budgets, too. So yeah, when he, Fred was he, the like, last. I understand mm-hmm. more when we heard him Fred about more about the program. He's like, wow. About yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Exactly. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Fred convinced him within 10 minutes, I think, well, like off that, yeah. the top of his head. He yeah. didn't read what he had prepared. Fred didn't read that. He did. He, on his story own. Said, he said, Why don't you just tell me? Why don't you just tell me what, what this is? And Fred did very passionately. And that convinced. Uh, and, you know, that is, I think, one of the reasons the public television is still here it got it through a financial crisis Mm -hmm. it's had a lot since but somehow big television ages to come through the funding and it's you know i think you don't have to worry about your children watching public television children's programs there's nothing on there that's offensive or you have to worry about you can sit them down and not worry about anything because they're all age appropriate too. Ours is designed for preschoolers and something like Reading Rainbow is designed for more elementary children. Um, 
and they programmed them yeah, that uh -huh. way. They would start out earlier, then they would get older as older programming as the day went on. But LeVar Burton was on yes. the program once. We've had these wonderful yes, 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 he did on the program. And LeVar is a wonderful person, and oh, yes. he 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 and Fred had a wonderful time uh, hmm. uh, talking about uh, books and 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 the love of reading that they both have. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. One of my favorite, my other favorite, Mr. Watcher songs is I have to mention the song, the the speedy delivery song. Oh, of course. Oh yes. <laughs> Course. Yes. <laughs> it's, you want me to sing it for you? If you, <laughs> want, if you want to, sure. Yes. Can sing with you. But right. I did this. I I did this with uh, Turtle Lou on uh, Don Quixote. Uh, I, oh, I did this, wow. and oh. he said, "Oh, Mr. Mayfieldy, can you sing your speedy delivery song?" I said, "Well, I'll try." And it was it goes like this: If there's anything you want, if there's anything you need, McFeely's delivery brings it to you. Speed, yes, our speedy delivery is a speedy delivery. Speedy delivery to you, speedy delivery, <laughs> and that's that's the song Fred wrote. They're all neighborhood. And there's another. Yeah. Pardon um, me. <laughs> yeah, all that's neighborhood. The speedy yeah <laughs> that's the speedy delivery song and uh, yes. uh people kids know how it's not long and they they get it they get a chance when they hear it several times they sort of remember it when i meet young children sometimes they'll sing it but uh that's that was written just for me the uh, person one person on the show who can't sing me <laughs> yeah yeah uh-huh yeah uh-huh yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. so <laughs> So we we talked we talked about it a little bit in the be in the beginning already, but um, what was it like doing the neighborhood of make believe segments? They, you know, that was a, a challenge sometimes because we couldn't put the whole set up at one time. In other words, the opening and closing the interior where you see him with a sweater and sneakers, that was a separate set. So we put up the neighborhood of make believe, and we did about two weeks worth or three weeks worth of those in those shots. We maybe did uh, five neighborhood of make-believes in one week, and then they'd be edited in. But we'd do those first, and then we would do the closings, opening and closing, so we knew how much time we had. So we worked from the inside out. But the neighborhood of make-believe, it was quite a, a chore to put up because all the uh, scenery is on wheels and there's it's, it's the, the tree is very big piece of uh, scenery. So it took the crew oh, uh, several hours or more, a whole day really, to set it all up. Then they had to paint the pathway. Each time we did a taping, they would paint the new pathway that goes through the neighborhood of make-believe. But behind each one of those set pieces, the castle, the tree, the clock, the platypus mound, there was a small monitor, a television monitor. And that way, when Fred was behind the piece of scenery, he could see what was putting out front. So when a, when a character would come up to the talk to him at the tree to talk to Henrietta or X, Fred would be with his two hands, one in the schoolhouse and one in the Henrietta's treehouse, looking at the monitor, doing the voices, and reading the script. 
<laughs> so it was he was quite adept at doing that. He didn't memorize the script. He read it from, he wrote it, but he would memorize it. Not memorize it, but read it from the script. And we would have certain circles around each character. For instance, a woman's voice, Lady Elaine or the mm-hmm. the would have a circle. And the male's voice would have sort of a diamond. So he could look at it right away and know how to alter his voice. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but I can see it as I was explaining to you. But mm-hmm. it, uh, but he was so good at being a puppeteer. And when you think about it, even before we started Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, he had seven years of puppeteering on the children's choir, which was the predecessor of Mr. Rogers. So he was very adept at puppeteering. And uh, but the neighborhood of Make Believe, they could be. Uh, they could you could get one right away maybe but generally speaking you had to walk from the castle to the tree to the tree to the clock and that movement of the camera sometimes would be shaky so we ended up it was quicker when you did a movie style you would do the the castle then they would cut and then they'd Mm -hmm. move but somehow they would make it all work so it didn't look like it was stopping and starting but it was a chore because of the scenery, because of the sound, because of the microphone that Fred was wearing. He would crawl from the castle to the the tree during the during the so he could get into the other puppets. And I'd be there holding the puppets mm-hmm. for him. So when he crawled over, he'd put them right on his hands mm-hmm. and they'd pop out. So it was timing, mm-hmm. and it was it could be uh, very hairy at times. Sometimes we breeze through it but usually not, but it was still a lot of fun. Oh, yes, absolutely. And, you know, and I got to show you know, puppetry, you know, you know, it's going to be, you know, it's very, you know, hard challenge, but it's also can be a very fun challenge, too. It is a fun challenge. Yeah, indeed. it you is know. a challenge. And you've got a puppet there. Who, who, yes. What's that puppet's yeah. name? My name is Julius. Julius. Yes. Julius, as yes. in Caesar, right? <laughs> yes, yes, right, yeah. Julius Caesar. Yes. And, and I, enough, I, do, I do get fun. that a lot. Yes, and funny enough, when we going back to Snuffy, yes. <laughs> he calls he calls Snuffy a I, lot. I do get referred to as Snuffy a lot. You know, it's yeah. Oh, you do, yeah. Tough. You know, you know who reminds me of a little bit too. His eye, he reminds me a little bit of Groucho Marx. <laughs> Groucho Marx. Groucho Marx. Yeah, yeah. Nobody has ever said that to me. Wow. Wow. That's the first and, time and anybody's and ever compared and me to that. Wow. Feeling, he, wow, he's the first one. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, heard, I've heard and you know, and you know, Groucho Marx's real name is Julius. Julius wow. Marx. You know, he no was, kidding. That, wow. That was, that's his that's his real name, Julius. Wow. So that's, that's wow. and that's for some reason the eyes and the ring around the eyes remind me of Groucho's glasses and wow. the nose that he had. <laughs> That's wow. amazing. I so, had, ne- you I know, had never thought You know, a that. lot wow. of people don't know who the Marx Brothers are these days. I've talked to people your ages and they'll look at me. They don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's sad because they're just a part it was, of... It was, it was after their time, yeah. Yeah. But, but, but at any rate, that's Julius and, and he is... he Now, are you... Do you have a puppet uh, theater or a puppet? Do you go around performing? Um, 
Oh, hopeful. Hopefully, at some point, uh, soon. Actually, well. I have <laughs> I have three puppets. I have a puppet troupe. Uh, I have uh-huh. three puppets. Uh, the other ones are over there on the couch there. Um, well, I, I, well, I actually do have an answer for that question, David. Yes, I know Jay. I know Jake has a Jake, little bit of Jake experience. Has, Jake with, has uh, a little bit of experience performing. He was perform- Yeah. Yes. Uh, Jake yes. has no, experience where's... performing. Oh, there's there. Oh, look, I recognize these characters. And where do you perform, Jake? <laughs> well, so um, so yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm also um recently got into puppetry, and well, 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 as of right now, I have only one character, but I hope I can have more whenever down the line. And but his name is Bean. Hello. Hello. Bean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, B E A N Bean. So yes. right. And and, um, and you and. Yes. Uh, were you about to say something? No, I, I was going to ask you the, the name again of your puppet there. It was Yeah, his name is Bean. B-E-A-N. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> and, and where do you uh, do your puppet show? <laughs> well, do, well, do you I perform mean, around the area? Well, recently I did. So I'll... I want to give it. Uh-huh. Like, I want to give like a like a long, like a whole like story. So long story short. So so occasionally I sometimes you know I volunteer at the at the thrift store and and I, I remember one day it was like a few weeks ago I was like you know it'd be cool if being you know, do some some stuff like where someone is reading a book and he can just be you know just interacting with the kids and interacting with the store the reader right. And he did, and and oh my gosh, like you, you, it's just so heartwarming. I I, I just felt heartwarming, like uh, to the least what? of what I thought about that day. Because anyone who saw it, see him, you know, they get they gave me such positive feedback about him. Where some where some said, you know, he's he's cute, and some of them said his you know. His voice is really good. Love his personality, and it's just, it, it, you know, it means a lot to me. It made you feel good, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, well, who knows? Good. Maybe, maybe in the future, if you do another one of those, Jake, maybe you'll meet someone who will say like, "Oh, well, that's cool that you do that. I want to do that too." And yeah, you know, it'll inspire yeah, them to get absolutely. into puppetry. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny enough, I'm gonna do it. We're gonna do another one on on Thursday. So yeah, this is uh, where, where do you all live? Where am I? T- are you all so, in the same city? So, so, um, uh, so, so mm-hmm. me and Matt, funny enough, we actually went to Baltimore, like, like back in 29th of July, to went to Maryland Center for His History and Culture, which for to the Jim Henson exhibit. Funny enough, and they're, they're mean, about they're about like an hour away from each yeah, other. Yeah, about, about an hour. I yeah. I live more north, uh, up in a little city called Halethorpe. It's uh, in Baltimore County. Yeah, in Maryland. And, and, and for uh, me, I live in I live in Calvert County, which is Lusby, Maryland. So that's where yes. I live. And and, and Chris for, lives in and Chris lives in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Yeah. Oh, you're in Massachusetts. Yes. Right this very moment, you're in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've lived I've lived where, in Massachusetts where, most of my life, honestly. That, now, what's are you near Boston? No, I'm uh, in Cape Cod. Oh boy, that's even nicer. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know, I know Chris lot, actually went to the children's. Boston, yeah. Yeah. I know Chris actually you went know, to the to the children's museum down there too. Yes. Well, yeah. you know, Mr. Rogers uh lived in the summer on Nantucket. Oh wow. Which really? is not far from wow. which is about three hours out at sea from you from where you are. Yeah, and it's like it's a fact, beautiful place. I haven't been there in a long time, but it's a beautiful place. And his sons, uh, still, he has two boys who are adults, and they have families, and they share the, uh, they they live there in the summertime. It's not winterized, so they can't live there in the winter. But Fred, his one oasis that he loved to go to, and where he wrote the scripts in the summer was Santucket. That's where he wrote most of his programs. Oh, wow. He had the, he has this wonderful oh. old barn. It was an old barn that converted into a small house and he has a little work he had a little work he's still there. Has a little workroom that's uh air conditioned. That's the only part is air conditioned and heated. That's where he would uh, write during the summer and then he'd come back in September, bring all of the scripts with him and we'd start taping uh new programs and we did that from 1967 through oh 1975 76 and, okay. and then we uh, stopped for a few years and when he started up again in 1979 we went until 2000 oh 2001 or two something like that mm-hmm. but uh, at any rate it was it was a wonderful wonderful period and and Fred was always doing something puppeteering or writing it was a full mm-hmm. full time job but you know he loved it but at exactly. some point now, if you love saying you know you know it's you know, that's from Mars you know, he, he, he loved he, doing something he, you know but you know i think his mission was to create what he loved about it was not necessarily being in front of the camera he didn't like right. being a celebrity. He enjoyed bringing positive messages to children. That was his message with Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Interpreting childhood, I always said. I always thought he was an electronic Dr. Seuss in a way, <laughs> interpreting childhood <laughs> for very young children. So, but he, he loved that. He loved doing that. He loved the creation of it more than doing of it. Now, he... He never wanted to be a famous person. He just wanted to do creative work for families and children, which he did. But, but that was that was uh, part of the, part of the requirements, I guess, to to create a television program. People, he couldn't go anywhere without people recognize him. Right. But, uh, he, but he loved that too. He loved meeting the people who'd come up to him and tell them how much they enjoyed the program. So it has been a wonderful, and I do too. I enjoy uh, meeting people who grew up with a program and whose kids are growing yeah, up with the program. Like three of us, you know? Yeah, yeah. Very rewarding. It's rewarding to talk to three of you to, to know that uh, something we did many years ago influenced uh, kids like you. Well, you're not kids anymore, but people like you. And in turn, you're doing something similar to what Fred was doing, working through the media in some way. But little did he know then that you could sit down and talk to somebody in Boston and in Maryland. You know, you couldn't do it back then. There, this, this, right, this, yeah. 
Zoom wasn't available to us. So it was a different world then. So you guys are experiencing a whole new world of media and there's so much to learn, but there's so much good you can do with it too. So Absolutely. I would encourage you to, to look to see what you love doing and, and giving it to people who could use it. And Absolutely. that's what you're doing. You, you all seem to be, you seem to enjoy doing this. You you wouldn't be oh, doing absolutely. it. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, we, we, we love doing this, and, and yes, it means do. a lot. Thank you very much. You know, we've been we've been have you know moments where times where like when we get those, you know, especially in Sesame Street people, we've been interviewing a lot of Sesame Street people a lot oh, yeah. recently, and some of those, you know, of course, they're amazing, wonderful people, but it's like some of them, I remember really like. Oh my gosh! Did it actually happen? Are we chiming with them? You know, it's just one of those things. It's just <laughs> how in the world? How how is life like that? You know, it's it's just it comes full like a life you know circle, and and that's, and that's what's happening Absolutely. right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And and someday, someday, people your age will be chatting with you, maybe. 35 years from now and what you guys did maybe uh, yeah you know maybe. You, you never know you never afraid, you know yep. you, so many people love yep. love what he's doing you know you know it's kind of and, and, and previous guests you know yes. they love what we're doing you know yep. it's just it's just wonderful yes so now um so but now whatever you, but whatever yes go ahead <laughs> you can go ahead no, I was going to say, whatever you do in the media or online or whatever, just make it a positive experience for people you're exactly. broadcasting to. Exactly. You know, and, that, and that's one what you've been I, doing. And Fred always said that that space between the, the television screen, he was using that at the time, the television screen and the person at home the is the television screen but that space between the communicator fred and the person at home that space between the tv and the communicator is holy ground he always called it that and you have to be <laughs> that he made sure that what was going to children from at least from his perspective and his um program was positive Exactly. And he, res you can tell that he respected his. Yeah, audience. And, and that's why he always, you know, because I know I want to mention about something what he said in the Charlie Rose interview, and where he said that, like, if the most positive, most important thing is if we are with each other, or where we are, and you know, if you're, if you're, um, you know, sorry, um. If you're like like oh. if I if like if we are like um where we are right now to chat you know you know where we are at the moment that's what's important you know that, yeah. yes and it's funny you mentioned that Charlie Rose uh, interview I just happened to watch that the other day oh, and really? I watched I I had it I think I think I have it in my storage in my computer and I came across yeah. it and I said oh I remember him doing this and I sat. <laughs> and it was one of the best interviews he ever did. He Absolutely. did several actually with Charlie, Charlie Rose, but one yeah, of them but he did. Um, is you know it's definitely one of the best. But he, Charlie Rose was a good interviewer, and Fred was uh, 
very articulate on this, but he always was. Fred was so articulate, and I always marveled at how the he could answer a question you know, succinctly, you know, we, but we getting all, the point across. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have, you know, we also have those moments where, like, you know, whatever somehow we did got you know, him on the show, and what he what he's gonna be when he's. You know, when, when the three of us, you know, chatting with, with Fred, you know, he's he'll he'll always be like that, you know. Yeah. Right. So now, um, I'm kind of curious. You know, I feel like it might be going to be kind of like a tough question if you think about if you think about. It, but do you have any favorite neighborhood of make believe characters? Yes, I think I have two. One being Lady Elaine. Yeah. I loved her spunk and her sassiness, and she would stand up to King Friday's demands. And I always liked King Friday because he was so pompous and, but he always had a, he was always had a sense of humor too. And that came from Fred. Fred, uh, King Friday's sense of humor came from Fred because he did the voice of King Friday and he did the voice of Lady Elaine. And Lady mm-hmm. Elaine was always getting into trouble and King Friday would, uh, you know, make her toe the line, but she stood up to King Friday and spoke her mind. And she was very comical, I thought. They both came from inside of Fred's humor. And, you know, Lady Elaine Fairchild, the puppet, was based on Fred's real-life sister. Her name was Elaine. And I think growing up, they wow. they had, they had were they were brother and sister. And, you know, brother and siblings have good days and bad days. And I think he drew a lot from uh, growing up with a sister. And uh, King Friday, his, his dad was a, uh, Fred's dad was a father, was a uh, businessman. And very, businessmen have to be very clear and cut and sometimes, you know, uh, abrupt. And I, he loves his father. His father was one, uh, he and his dad got along so well. But also, I think he patterned some of King Friday's traits after his father, it being uh, no nonsense. You know, King Friday didn't take nonsense. But at the same time, he had a, he had a kind spot, too. And his dad certainly did. So a lot of the characters were based on people in Fred's life as he grew up and. Queen Sarah was based on his own wife. Fred's wife's name was Sarah, and he based that yeah. character. And she was from Florida, and that's why she has a southern sort of a southern accent because his real wife <laughs> did too had a southern accent. So all of these mm-hmm. are and McFeely is based on Fred's grandfather, Mister uh, McFeely. Mm-hmm. Yes. There mm-hmm. is. And so yeah, McFeely so you, is part and, of the and, family too. And, so and his actual name is Fred McFeely Watchers. And I miss yeah. a McFeely. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So there's, you can see all the ties. So it really was Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. And, you know, that's why Daniel Tiger, I think, was created because you couldn't duplicate Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. There was, it's unlike any program. You can't replace Fred Rogers. Not he was at all. so unique not even, not even in the way he spoke no. and the way he felt. You, you can't do that. And there are a lot of people like that. That's good. That's good. That's good, I think. It's it made him just so unique. And Daniel Tiger is unique in its own way. It uses yeah, exactly. Fred 
Daniel's sort of, it, it, Daniel comes in, puts on a red sweater and talks to the camera for a little bit, but then you forget about it. But Fred was always there uh, relating to the children. You know, it was, yeah. he didn't call it a television show. Mm -hmm. Now, Julius? Does Groucho yeah. have one? I do. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's your new nickname from now on. That's an honor. <laughs> so, uh, a number of episodes you appeared in featured Mrs. McFeely, played yes. by Betsy Siemens. What was it like doing scenes with her? You know, it uh, for years I did. I, there wasn't a Mrs. McFeely. Then Fred thought, oh, let's uh, create a Mrs. Let's create a family, and. Um, it was it felt it felt differently because Betsy Siemens is her name and she was she wrote some of the segments that we used and she wrote a segment uh, with this the McFeely granddaughter it's not our real granddaughter but the little girl whose name was Chrissy had spina bifida and we got a grant from the what they now call uh, what they then called education for the handicapped that's not uh, uh, what they call it anymore but that's where the money came from the government to incorporate into our program segments about children with disabilities and Chrissy was one of the the, the subjects and to show other children how mobile Chrissy could be with her crutches and braces and talk about them not just ignore them and 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 Fred sat down with Chrissy on the front steps one day and said, "Chrissy, what do you feel about wearing your braces? What what are your thoughts?" And the one thing she said, she said, "I don't like the white shoes because the white shoes reminded her of white shoes that babies wore, but they had she had to wear them because they were attached to the crutches." But the message that came from that was that uh, oh there was another scene in the McFeely house where Chrissy uh, forgot something upstairs and there was a flight of stairs and she said oh I forgot I left it upstairs and I think one of us said well we'll go up and get it for you oh no no I want to do it and that came directly from the person who was overseeing those special segments saying no let's show children at home that people with disabilities are capable of doing things like going up the stairs and providing uh, care for themselves. Now that's not always the case, but let's show that Chrissy can get her own, uh, whatever she forgot upstairs and bring it down to show us. So those segments I think were very important uh, to, to show uh, children with disabilities and children with not disabilities how how uh, adept people with disabilities can be, how they adapt to their world. It was really a, uh, and that that's why we had the McFeely house, so we could expand the family yeah. and show the grandchildren and show Chrissy. And it was, it was a whole new segment we could do at, at the McFeely house. Not only the segments about Chrissy and the, special needs children but we also had a chimpanzee there one day that they brought in from the zoo and during the rehearsal we didn't have the 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 stage lights up they were just work lights and we walked through it with cameras 
But then they said, okay, let's tape a segment. So they turned all of the taping lights on, which are very bright, and the chimp leaped. It scared him. And he leaped up and climbed up the pole to the light fixtures and swung from the light fixtures. He And he didn't stop and he was howling like a chimp and got him so excited. And he finally ended up biting Mrs. McFeely on the ankle. Oh. <laughs> so so they, we, tried, we tried to calm him what? down. And that's an, oh, wow. that's an an outtake. We tried to calm him down and he wouldn't be calm. To oh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't hurt her, it didn't break the skin, but he nipped her when she tried Thank to pull goodness. him back. And that is the only segment that we tried taping that we couldn't use. We couldn't uh, adjust it. We couldn't edit it in any way without it making looking without it looking like it was a disaster, which it was. <laughs> but it wasn't. It, it, it wasn't the chimp's fault. You know, he was a chimp. He didn't understand right. television lights. And at that time. Yeah television lights are even brighter than they are now. I think now they can shoot in lower light. But then back in the 70s, I don't know anything about television lighting, but I do know that they were very bright and we needed that for the camera to pick it up. And, yeah. but everybody was happy except the chimp. But that segment, <laughs> we have it in an outtake. We have that, I have a reel of outtakes. And I think if you look close enough on youtube it might have made its way to youtube somewhere the outtakes from the neighborhood but that one's in oh it gosh and uh so so that that was our the one the one we could never do over again we said let's just forget it he's not gonna cooperate we're getting nothing done we wasted <laughs> oh, a whole no. more we it took us three hours to get nothing done except get mrs mcfeely bitten on the ankle <laughs> so, okay so all right three hours okay i, I think it's enough yeah. all right <laughs> I, mean, I mean i mean that's a great idea but um i mean yeah. it's like good on paper it. not so much <laughs> right. yeah. but, but you can't you can't trust animals or uh yeah uh, you can't try you know you know you're you're yeah, at you can't trust mercy. Some of them. Yeah. and we we did another one with a baby elephant that we brought into his to his steps for in, in going into the house, and the baby elephant wasn't you know it was a baby, but it still weighed probably a thousand pounds, and it wasn't supposed to go up the steps onto the porch, but it did. It, we couldn't stop it. It got up on the porch, and we tried to turn it around. As we turned it around, it bumped the the scenery, and you to this day that you can see the she, scenery shake. It wobbled. Because oh. we could, we couldn't do it over again. We had to take oh, that tape. No, it's, and we got him back down off the steps. I don't know how we did it, but we kept the take because it wasn't that bad. Except for when he was trying to turn around on the porch, he bumped the the front door, which shook the that part of the scenery a little bit. You can see it on camera. We said, let's keep it. Let's keep it. We can't do it again. So there are some times that you have to keep. Yeah things that aren't perfect and that certainly wasn't but it was but what we were trying to do with all even of that, even no matter what try to keep like like trying to keep like straight like straight face as possible even there's something that you really want to laugh so hard but you have to well that happened a lot <laughs> that I, procedure, remember, yeah. uh, I remember sometimes uh, i'd come in and make a delivery and something would strike strike us as funny and we would 
break up Fred when I made a delivery to Fred. But we got over it. Finally, they said, okay, you two, you, we have to get this done. We're running out of time. But Fred had a wonderful sense of humor and he had, uh, he was so patient and he was such a smart man. And yes, absolutely. And, and I remember like, um, where you did like a, like a, like, like so many like shows or something like that. And then, and then he, and Fred was like, all right, one more, one more to go. <laughs> oh, oh, that's yes. How did you hear about that? <laughs> we did, we, it became a, a a legend with his when every morning when Fred would come into the office, he would poke in his head into my office and say, he hold his finger up. Well, that came from we used to do these visits to public television stations. In fact, one of them mm-hmm. was in Boston. And we would invite children to come into the studio in groups of 200 with her with her parents and meet Mr. Rogers. And we would yeah, do 20, yeah, right. 20 little shows in a day. We'd start at nine in the morning and finish up around six. And that gave every child a closer visit with Mr. Rogers than doing it in an auditorium or some big place like that. So mm-hmm. it was a long day. And I remember the last show we did, I came backstage of the little stage they had rigged up in the studio. And I said to him, only one more, only one more. And that what became a, 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 can, a, can a, like a little signature, yeah. Yeah, a little signature. And it became a signature between us. And then finally other people picked it up. And it was a uh, hello was a good morning, a good evening. How are you? Speedy delivery, whatever. But that did start. <laughs> you're right. It started by these series of programs we did, not on television. They were programs within the studio. Uh, it started when I said one more, Fred, and we got through it. But they were wonderful, wonderful programs. But then finally, there was so much demand to to do these personal appearances that he said, okay, why don't we do something with a symphony orchestra at a, at a, uh, like the, the, we did one in Boston at uh, the, where the uh, symphony plays in Boston. We did oh, yeah. a Mr. Rogers afternoon with yeah. the symphony mm-hmm. and he would, we would, there would be, uh, I would host it. And then Francois Clemens would be there. He'd sing a song. Oh, and wow. Betty, he, oh, oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, yeah and, he's actually, yeah, he's actually a previous come. guest in our, in our show. He's, he's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you've talked to Francois? Yeah. Yes. yes. Love, love Francois very, yes. very sweet. Man. So, yeah, so he, wonderful. Oh, he, well, we did a lot together and Betty would be in the show and Francois and myself. And then mm-hmm. we would do some th- opening and then we'd bring Miss, we'd bring Fred out. And these became uh, concerts that we did around the country. We did about 20 or 30 of them. Then you could do wow. one concert or two concerts and cover as many people as 10,000. You know, sometimes they were. 5,000 seat auditoriums uh, and it worked, it worked. Although Fred thought it, with a symphony orchestra, it really helped. And we were, and what I liked about it, they not only saw the people they see on television, but this was some of the introdu- some of the children's introduction to a symphony concert. When you think wow. of it, how many yeah. kids go, a lot of kids do, but there are a lot of children who never hear a symphony orchestra. Right. And that's what I loved about doing those concerts, along with being able to 
bring our program to them and, and, and sing some of the songs that Mr. Rogers wrote. And Fred brought the puppets too. And you wouldn't think a, a puppet as big as Daniel, not that big, would cut, carry in a big theater, but it did. He did the voices had good microphones and it all worked. So to answer the question initially, those that number one came from the little shows we did. Finally, we did touring symphonies for about, uh, we did about, I guess, 40 of them over the years. So, and I liked them. It was so, uh, it was really nice to be able to to visit with groups of people who really appreciated the day. You don't come to a Mr. Absolutely. Rogers concert unless you appreciate the program. And that was exactly. a wonderful, wonderful afternoon. Exactly. Yeah. So they were great. And some of them have been recorded. I have seen not for they recorded as a uh, as a document, you know, for right. archival purposes, not to they were never shown on television. But we have all most of all of them. So a lot of memories. Yeah, definitely. So so after hearing a lot of, uh, you know, stories about working with Fred Rogers overall, how would you kind of describe, you know, getting to know him and work with him very closely over? Uh, You know, Fred was Fred was one of the kindest persons that I've ever met. And I'll give you an example. This is just one of the examples of many years Uh, I had uh, an emergency, uh, oh, what is it, emergency, uh, no, what's appendicitis, emergency, uh, an emergency operation. And uh, I was in the hospital and uh, and my wife was there, but she had to leave the hospital to take our son somewhere. But I was in recovery and so I was okay. And I was still groggy. And the first person I saw when I came out of my the grogginess, when I woke up in the recovery room, was Fred Rogers. He had come over to find out how the operation went. It was a gallbladder operation. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he said, David, everything's all right. Everything's okay. The operation's over. And uh, I just wanted to come. Nan is gone with Taylor and she'll be back but I just wanted to say hello and I have to go now, but uh, we'll see you. I'll come visit. And that was Fred. He went out of his, he didn't have to do that. He went out of his way. And then before I went into the operation room, before the day started, he was in the waiting room. And then he left because the operation took about four hours by the time you get in and do it, recovery, et cetera. But he came back to see how things were. That's who he was. And then, and another time, uh, oh, there's so many instances of uh, his kindness. Uh, yes, and he's also very, very, very patient guy too. Yeah, like, and he was you know. very sincere. And he, yeah. he, um, another, another time, um, it was my birthday. It was it happened to be Thanksgiving. And uh, it was my birthday that year, fell on Thanksgiving. And there was a knock at the door and it was Fred. And he had brought a present to me and he lived on the other side of town. Uh, but he had the present wrapped in a newspaper. And the newspaper happened to be an article that I wrote for the local Pittsburgh paper about my time growing up in the, you know, working in the neighborhood. Uh, 
And he used that as, as wrapping paper and brought it over and knocked on the door and gave me my Christmas present. And that was, uh, that was Fred. And he was, he always was thinking about others. And there was another little girl, well, there were a lot of letters we got, but there's one little girl who was having a very serious operation, very serious that we met at an event in Connecticut. And he met her there and he followed her progress. And she finally had to go to the hospital. It was a very serious operation. And I don't know exactly what it was, but it was not pleasant. And he decided he booked a ticket on his own, flew to the Connecticut hospital and visited with her, took the puppets with him and visited for about an hour and then went back to the airport and returned. And he, he was that close to that family when we met, we first met him, met the family when we were on an appearance, but he kept tabs on that family because he wanted to keep, find out how little girl was doing. And uh, that's who he was. Uh, you know, exactly. he would do more of that if uh, he had the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, and, and since, and since you mentioned him being very, such a sincere, amazing, you know, wonderful human being, he, he always, be, always did. He, um, one of the guests that came to, he missed to to neighborhood. It was Jeff Jeff Erlinger, he's uh -huh. the wheelchair. Yes, and and my gosh, I forgot what's like was it called. But I remember he was a. I remember he was, Jeff made like, like a surprise appearance at the Emmy. Oh yes, or something. Was it, and, was, it, was it the Emmys or was it something else? I, it I was know the, what you're talking about. You no, know, it was done. It was produced by the uh, a Television Academy, but he was mm -hmm. receiving an emmy but it was an emmy for a lifetime achievement yeah lifetime achievement yeah yeah, 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 yeah that's and the one i was talking they, about was, and he it, it, when he came it, it, jeffrey erlinger fred just came up on just, stage and hugged yes him. that was that was the television hall of fame uh, that was it yes he yeah. received, a, li he received a lifetime emmy in 1997 that yes. was it he, that he was, was that was real that was really touching too like when when he told the audience like I want I want you to think of somebody. Now pause for for ten seconds. I'll keep track of the time. Just to, to think just, of people who helped you as you were growing. Yes, that's right. He would do that. Yeah. Every speech that he did, uh, he did that. Now some speeches yeah. usually usually he did it. He did it at graduation. So he spoke at about mm -hmm. forty yes, graduations. Uh -huh. And one time we were at. Uh, I think it was, I think it was Boston University and mm -hmm. it was a big field, a big stadium is where they had the graduation and he did a speech and I thought, oh, no one's going to keep quiet with 10,000 people in the stadium for a minute. But it did. But it did. It did. And it was remarkable. And that's the, he had the, the, he it was genuine on his part. They knew it wasn't a, a canned speech. He would write a different speech for different things he would do. It was never the canned speech. You've heard speeches at graduations that go on forever and you don't really listen. But everybody listened to his speech because it was so personal to that situation. You know, he would bring in something related to that particular campus or that college or 
whatever. But it it it, I, I, it was really an experience to go with him. Usually, I travel with him because as the years went on, I worked in the studio, but then I worked in public relations. So I was in charge of going with him to interviews and when he did the Today Show or when he did appearances uh, around the country, I would go with him and I would be sort of a gatekeeper and make yeah. sure that, and I would do the, uh, they'd all want to interview and I'd have to set up times to make sure it was all organized because he would do them, but they just, he didn't want it to be chaotic. So I tried my best to, to make it as easy for him as I could, you know, talking to the press. You know, he didn't like doing interviews, but he knew that it was something you had to do as public relations. It was not some, but, he, but when he got started, he would always interview the interviewer. Sometimes an interviewer would come to our office from a magazine or a newspaper. And after an hour, they'd come out of his office and say, I need more time. He interviewed me. You know, he wanted to find out all about the interviewer. And so I'd yeah. say, Fred, maybe you could give him the 15 more minutes to get the story completed. But he was like that. He wanted to find out about the person he was talking to. It intrigued exactly. him. And it wasn't just a ploy. It was a, it was something, he was truly interested in what that person came from and what, what, how they got interested in whatever job they were doing. Right. So at any rate, uh, I hope I answered that question too. I keep going on. <laughs> I hope oh, I'm no, not it's... just, it, it's, I, I hope I'm answering your questions the way you want. No. Yeah, of <laughs> course. Of um, course. Yes. And we also yes. mentioned in the beginning doing appearances as Mr. McFeely, you of course did a lot of those. Can you kind of talk a bit about them? Yes, I did. A, we would always get so many requests for Fred to come to a television station. Oh, you of couldn't course. handle, you couldn't handle them. There were too many. Mm -hmm. And so what I tried to do as, as, as uh, when I was in charge of public relations, I said, well, you know, and, and Freddie, he couldn't do it because we were taping. And when I wasn't on the program that particular day, maybe I could come to your station and do the event. A lot of public stations had parades or they had an event in the studio and it would be come and meet Mr. McFeely at our studios. And I would do a little show and a meet and greet, or I'd be in a parade for the station promoting public television or whatever city. I do a lot of that. And on the weekends, sometimes I would travel. We had tape all week and that travel on the weekend. I think I've been to every, I have been to every state in the country now. And I've been to Hawaii and I've been to Guam and I've been to the Virgin Islands, all, all with promoting Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and promoting the program in those particular cities. And I loved it. It was, it, and, and again, I'm doing one this uh, weekend by going to the Comic-Con and I'll meet so many people who grew up with the program and you get all of these stories. And I'm trying to write a book. I'm trying to write a book about my years working in the neighborhood. So I'm trying to get oh. as many stories oh, yeah. that I can. That's, That's awesome. Wonderful. So if That's you wonderful have any book. stories, send them my way. You too, Groucho. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I will. That's awesome. I'll have Matt send them your way. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and I know Francois did, did manage to get his 
his book published. And I, have, and I actually have his copy. So, oh, you have one? Yes. Yeah, he yes. sent me one too. I have his Aww. book. And he said, yes, David, you better get started on yours. So I said, I am. <laughs> I've, I've got, a few, should, should I've got a few chapters. He beat me to it, but I, uh, I've got a few chapters done. But nice. I've, I've been I, I've been there longer. I, I, I started from the very first program. And uh, Francois came maybe about two years later. Yeah. And then other cast members came later. Betty started, Betty Ambrose and I started out together with Joe Negri, Handyman Negri, and uh, Bob Dog was there. Uh, Bob Troll started late, a little mm -hmm. later, but the yeah. original was, uh, and Chef, remember Chef Rocket? Yes. He, he, yes. He, he, yes. he started, Joe Negri, Betty Aberlin, and myself were on the first years of the program. Then Neighbor Aber and Mayor Maggie came along, mm -hmm. and I think Robert Troll came maybe a year later, and Francois about a year later. So we, we grew into a family. In fact, the name of our company originally, when Fred was alive and running it, it was called Family Communications Incorporated. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that's what he wanted to be. Now it's called Fred Rogers Productions. And under that banner, we show the reruns of the neighborhood online. And of course, that Fred Rogers production produces Daniel and Don Quixote. Yeah. And they're working on some other new projects that you'll uh, see coming along the coming along the pike. Yeah, so and, we're yeah. we're still busy. Great, yes, absolutely. I, I know you did. I don't even do like did work um, help with with some things for Daniel Tiger's neighborhood as well. Because I know cause I remember you originally did the did the funding for that show too. You remember I, that? Remember. Yeah, uh -huh. like the like the voice on the funding at the beginning. I think that's what Jake's talking about. Oh yeah. yes, I think yes. So, yes. I, I think the first two seasons I did the voiceover on the funding. I think I think they yeah. ran it for a while. Hmm. I think they have somebody else. I have doing someone that. else doing it. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, that's, the, that's cool. The actor they got to voice Mr. McFeely in it too is really good. But they, but I think uh, each year the voiceover had a change because the funding was different you know they changed it mm -hmm. every yeah. season and right. i i wasn't there for a while i i don't go into the office every day i work from home a lot trying to write the the book and then i'm on the road a lot too but i'm not working directly on the programs anymore but i do i do keep in touch with the uh, company and uh, i guess <laughs> they, they, I, I guess i'm a delivery man emeritus whatever they call that right, you know, yeah. they, they call professor emeritus i guess i'm a delivery man emeritus <laughs> yeah and i know recently i know mm -hmm. recently the characters of dan tiger's neighborhood and don quixote they actually did something together where, where all of them sing the would you be my neighbor song oh yes there's a there is another in fact that's released recently there is a uh it's online again. I think it's a wonderful compilation of the different puppets on the different shows with Fred being inserted into this online. Huh. Uh, I, I, I know it's running now and I thought I saw it on YouTube, but I think it's on our, for sure on our website and on the donkey hoodie website. Uh, so you can try to find that. I see over there to the behind you, the speedy delivery documentary. I see the <laughs> yes, yes, and and uh, I yes. had fun doing that too. That was done oh about eight years ago, I guess. Yeah, but I actually it, watched uh, that last night. 
before uh, oh, well, good. Yes, the interview. Yes, we did. Yes. Yes. It was a yes. It's so wonderful. It's, it's so wonderful. Oh, yes. good. There it yes, is. And, it is. And I have to get more copies made because I yeah, uh -huh. yeah, because of you know, you Paul bought, German. You, yeah, Paul Paul Germain, right? Paul Germain. Yeah. Yes, that's right. He, uh, yeah, he, he, yeah, he actually sent me like a little note. <laughs> well, t t write back and tell him we talked and to order more and I'll get in touch with him. <laughs> but I want, <laughs> I want people who, you know, they can send their orders in and then when they're get, there's more, they can uh, order them. But yes. he did a wonderful job and they yeah, showed, it on, produce, they showed uh, it on yeah, PBS too. Wonderful. But there's two versions of it. There's a version. Yeah, yeah one for te te televised and the and the um the one you one, have one for, one for the theater uh, um the theater and that yes the dvd one the one you just showed is the complete one the uh -huh. one that they they showed on pbs they had to cut it to an hour so mm. it, they cut about 10 minutes out of it but it's right. uh it, it's still wonderful and paul did a Absolutely. wonderful job to, to those who big big fans of mr rogers neighborhood or want to know more about you know Yes. More uh, if his stories better, better make sure to ha have this copy. Yes, to it's a very, it's wonderful. Very, it's very good watch. Definitely watch it. And um, yes, it's worth it. Speaking of um appearances, I'm not sure if you remember this, but I remember seeing uh photos of it a couple of years ago. You did an appearance at a uh, Bethel Parks Memorial Elementary School with uh one of the Mr. Rogers co-stars, Chuck Aber. Do you do you remember yes. doing that? Oh, I do. I do. How did you see all this? <laughs> I, I, I looked up pictures you. of it and I see uh, pictures of you and Chuck. I think Chuck was holding the Daniel Tiger puppet. Yes. And they were talking to the kids. Yeah, That's right. We went to we did that for oh every year because Chuck knew one of the teachers at the school. And she said, do you think oh, that cool. you could come out? The two of you could come out and meet my class, and we did it every year. We took the puppets with us, and one of us would go around the room and let each child touch the puppet. And in the case you're referring to, I think Chuck had uh, Daniel Tiger on his hand, and he right. went to every child up and down the rows and did an uggle muggle with them. Uh -huh. And we we try to make it very personal. And then afterwards, we would sign autographs to people who wanted them, and then we went to several different classes. I can't remember the, yeah. the class we went to what we went to the early classes i mean the early uh, grades the first second and third and maybe and maybe some of the, the preschool or kindergarten but we did that for many years and over the years i've done a lot of those sometimes when i go into a city the public station will say oh do you think you could visit such and such a school today and i do that or an assembly and they they keep me pretty busy but you know you you learn a lot from visiting schools and and what i like is going to classrooms and, and i usually did it in my costume and just to ask them questions to hear their response just stand up in their classroom and and hear what they their questions are and how i try to answer them and it's they come up with some wonderful questions and to show you how steeped we are these days in electronics. Uh, all kids are used to something that's electronic. And I had the Daniel puppet on my hand, one at an appearance somewhere. It wasn't the school, but it was another school. I had the Daniel Tiger puppet, and it was not in the classroom. It was sitting out waiting for this child's parent to pick her up. 
and the principal was with me and we were just showing the puppets to this little girl mm -hmm. and I was showing it to her turning it around and pretending to make a talk and do ugga mugga and she kept looking around the puppet just look and she said how do you turn it on in other words she was so used to turning some something electrical on or something like a game on she thought Daniel Tiger on my hand had to be turned on. And that's saying something about this current generation. They're really, mm -hmm. and it's nothing good or bad necessarily. It's just right. this, it's just where we are in the society. Times have changed. But, yeah, times yeah. have changed. Oh, yeah. But there's but still, you can still put a puppet on your hand and pretend that it's a uh, it's talking to you. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's yeah. what I encourage but she was so used to turning on her maybe computer or her electronic game or whatever she was about i'd say she was about eight or nine and uh, so she she knew she was fairly sophisticated but she didn't know how they turned daniel tiger on and <laughs> so that was a nice <laughs> explanation to say you know not everything is electronic and you you too and I said, you know, I tell children, you don't have to have a fancy puppet like this to tell stories. I would try to encourage creativity. You can take an old sock and do your own puppet at home and draw yeah. in magic marker again, their eyes and the nose and use something else. You can make your own puppet show and make up the words to it at home. That's what I try to encourage with these puppets, to have children mm. do that encouraging creativity and imagination uh, don't don't let everything do do it for you but you be part of the creation too and that's what i like doing when i meet children is to encourage uh, them to be creative with something they can create rather than the electronic something doing it for them nothing right. wrong with that but i think there's room for both of course. Yeah, 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 absolutely. absolutely. And since you mentioned, you know, that movie, Tom Hanks, movie day in neighborhood movie. Um, a previous guest, some um, Kathleen Ka Kathleen Kim, Kim, Kim was yeah. actually a part of that just forming for the puppets. Like um yeah, yeah, she's well, she's now a sesame puppeteer. Um he um she performed Chi on the, the first oh, Asian yes. Korean character on Sesame Street. Do you get do you got a chance to like ever like met her? What was her name again? Her name is uh, Kath Kathleen Kim. She was a puppeteer in the uh, Tom Hanks movie. Oh, yes, uh, she yes. Uh, I think she was she was in the studio. We did a uh, after the movie was done shooting. I think she, we did. Uh, they did some pickups, and she. I think I met her fleetingly. Did you know? You say oh. you know her. Yeah, we yeah. interviewed her. She's a previous guest. She's a previous guest. guest of ours. Yes. She's, oh, she's, okay. She's, she's oh. so awesome. Now we're in Sesame Street. Yeah, she, yeah. she uh, they did a uh, segment separate from the filming where they they showed, they had a, a little model of New York City and a new little model of Pittsburgh and the oh, transition. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I just saw some. Did, did Spencer Lott a part of that too? Yeah, Spencer Lott. Yes. Yeah. Spencer Spencer Lott. Spencer Lott. He's another puppeteer. I think was also involved in that movie as well. I think yeah. So. Yeah. They, uh -huh. they had a few puppeteers. Yeah. They did it in. Uh, some of them may have, but they may have done some of it in New York. I'm not sure. Probably. Uh, but, yeah. But, uh -huh. Probably. Yeah. Probably. But I didn't meet everybody. But I met a right. lot of the. 
But I'm also the the man who played uh, the author. The actor's name is Matthew Reese, who's a he played uh, the author who interviewed Fred Rogers mm-hmm. from yeah, the magazine. Uh, yeah, and Matthew. Yeah, that's right. Matthew's a, mm-hmm. he's an excellent actor, a very good actor, very nice man. Oh, and yes, uh, absolutely. And the time that he was there, I think he and his wife just had a a baby. So I rounded up some uh, Mr. Rogers T-shirts and other things and gave it to him but uh now his son his i can't remember if it was a boy or a girl but that child must be three years old now that was about three or four years ago i guess yeah but uh it was a wonderful experience uh uh, watching them put the movie together and and being on the set a lot of the times and 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 being you know having a cameo i really i really enjoyed it and i really liked the tribute it was really a tribute to absolutely and you know, since that movie, and since the, there was a, also close by, there was a, a documentary hosted by Michael Keaton that PBS did that it brought a resurgence of interest in the neighborhood, and and it's and and it's still going on. That it's just twenty years now since the program taped the last the last original show, and there's still a big interest in in what Fred Rogers did. And we're trying to keep that legacy going by having other programs and keeping the website going. Yeah, exactly. Even though, you know, your shows now are going, you know, keep going, the legacy, you know, you know, it's not going to be, it can replace Mr. Watch's Neighborhood, you know, but, you know, but the main important thing is, you know, they keep on going to legacy, you know, no, for future giant wish of kids about, about what, what, who he is, you know, that's what matters. You know? and, and when yes you're you're right because in the future gener- i think uh well look at dr seuss books they were written sometimes in the 30s or 40s yeah you know, and they're still relevant but, but, but and, he's still known yes you know, yes and, you know. and i think the That's neighborhood, kind of same thing it, with, with mr rogers you know yes i think yes. that'll happen because when you look at a mr rogers program it may it may be a little dated in the in the the pace of it and maybe some of the right. costumes look a little different, but the the content is so deep and so so directed to that age group. It'll it, it'll it's always will be there, and it'll be a positive influence to future generations. How how to uh, uh, just introducing them to the world and to to childhood, and and he used television in a way to to communicate and exactly exactly and, and to introduce topics that may be unpleasant or maybe scary but also it will, it as, it, like a, as a as a amazing thing for him to use to, to show his creativity you know oh, that's right yeah. and, and one one woman that was one of his advisors uh a psychologist, psychiatrist, Fred said, we're going to do this week on divorce and we're going to do a week on this and a week on very topics that were a little heavy. And she said, oh, that's well, that's fine. Yeah. She said, yeah. don't forget the fun. You know, exactly. That, that even, is so even important. there's one. Yeah, exactly. And there's one of those, th- one of those things with, going back to serious topics of Mr. Watch's neighborhood where where one of the characters of but the neighborhood make believe thought thought that you know their their parents are not going to come back, but they, you know, yeah, but they did. Right. Yes, 
competition and that was in the daycare and nightcare episodes oh, yeah, yeah where they talk about uh afraid that the parents wouldn't come back but they right that was that was all explained to them yes. and he he went really out of his way to assure children yes that this they care but there'll be people here to meet you after daycares of your parents or your yeah. caretakers and always and, think about the fun parts you know yes yeah but that is very important i think when you're doing a children's program uh for any age don't forget the fun now exactly. but also and that's why i mean we said why she even said that to him and yes he always exactly. saw that and but but also try to use it as a uh, a lesson to uh encourage children and create to encourage creativity to uh to assure them uh introduce them to the, the life which is not always easy but how to handle maybe some upsets or how to handle a disappointment he dealt with all of that and and how to deal with when you're angry you know we were talking about that earlier and they're all good lessons but at the same time don't forget the fun. And I think that's an important when you're creating a children's program for any age. Even if it's for a book or shorts or a series, doesn't matter. Always thought, always think of that. Right. Yes, yes. you're right. That's but also, also, there was a person who, well, there still is a person who works for us. Her name is Hedda. And when she graduated from college in Pittsburgh at Carnegie Mellon University, she wanted to get into children's television. And she, this was going way back to before the neighborhood was uh, national. And wow. she stopped down to see Fred, made an appointment, said, you know, I'd like to get in children's television. And she, he said, she had her degree in, in English lit. He said, you know, if you want to get into children's television, go and learn about children. And he said, you know, the University of Pittsburgh has a wonderful two-year course in child development. Go and learn about children, what their needs are at that age. A three-year-old has different needs than a 12-year-old or a nine-year-old. Learn about that. And as you program, a, as you create a program for young children, you'll know what they're, they're dealing with at that particular age. So I think Fred thought, well, I won't see her again. And Hedda went to Pitt, University of Pittsburgh, went through the course, came back when she graduated he hired her and she's still working for mr rogers neighborhood so or working for the company and she's a, an advisor for child development and writes a column oh there's a column she has this that's online it's it's hedda sherapin is her name you might want to to, to she runs writes a monthly column of something to do with what we're doing uh, on mr rogers neighborhood or on at Fred Rogers Productions, rather, but mainly related to Fred's philosophy and 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 uh, and his his thoughts about uh, using television in a positive way. Anyhow, Definitely. that's that's. Uh, I hope I've covered everything. Indeed, I think we've been on for what two hours. 
almost and since since we're uh, and since we're kind of close to wrapping this up matter julius which one do you want to take the next question yeah i will take this next question yeah hi spencer hi kathy if you're watching this yes anyway matter julius which one do you want to take the next question i'll take this next one okay Uh, to anybody watching or listening what would you like to say to those who have supported your work throughout your career and to those who have visited the neighborhood over the years? Oh, boy. I can only say thank you so much for letting us come into your homes. By a flick of a button, they can take us out of their homes or bring us in. And I always, as I mentioned a little earlier, every time I'm doing something for children, whether it's an appearance or whether it was on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, I always thought, I'm so glad that I'm working on a program that really cares about children and their development. And I, that made me feel so good. When I, when I would go out looking for a prop, you would, I would say, you know, this is a long day. Why am I, you know, it took me a whole day to find a, a what, a, a, what, a, a, a vase, let's say. <laughs> But, you know, whatever we were going to use as an example on the program that day, it had a purpose. And I, I loved feeling that I was a part of helping create a program that helps so many people and young children and families over the years and still doing it. And that is my reward. And that's what I thought of a lot as we were doing the program. Well, you know, you're working for something that has a responsibility and a commitment and a mission. And Fred Rogers' career was certainly that. And look what he created, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, that's gone into creating two more wonderful programs and still doing others. Absolutely. As, uh, absolutely. as you said in the beginning, his legacy still lives on. Absolutely. And it lives Absolutely. on the. Uh, you can uh, make more, more, more shows. Yes, you and too. And I and I hope that uh, anybody watching your, 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 are you? We call. Is this a podcast or is this a? Is this a? Uh, uh, what are we calling what we're doing today? Podcast. Well, listen, yeah. it's, yeah. A, it's a okay, podcast. So. It's a video podcast and an oh. audio podcast. Okay. Yeah. So people will see us as well as hear us, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And, and, and hear well, it. Well, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I hope that uh, anybody listening and watching your podcast video, video cast will uh, go out. <laughs> if they've never seen Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, try to, to find it on. You can, you can search it, Google it. Right. And watch a few episodes. Exactly. Now, it might take somebody who's never seen the program a little while because it's not your run-of-the-mill program. It, it takes... It takes some time to get used to what he's doing, but everything that he wrote in the scripts and he he says over television was well researched. It wasn't just turn the TV on, the the cameras on, and we'll do a show. He spent months researching everything he talked about on television, and that's what I think is important for the yes, age group. Definitely. And it shows a respect for children. And his audience. That's what I liked about the neighborhood, his respect for his audience. And I think it comes through. I think children can maybe maybe they can articulate that, but I think they get it. They catch it. 
they catch it through the TV screen somehow. Absolutely. And, and I'm thankful for all of that. Yes. And I'm thankful, of course. I'm thankful for you guys spreading the word even more. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. It means, it means a lot so, so much. So thank you very much. Um, so now if people would like to connect with you, where can people find you? Well, I can give you my email. Uh, is that okay to do? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, my email is simply D is in David, D Newell, N-E-W-E-L-L, the year 1956 at gmail.com. So it's D Newell. 1956 at gmail.com and then they can go online to find the website for the fred rogers company mm-hmm. fred rogers productions, rogers productions yes <laughs> yeah it used to be company now it's fred rogers productions and they have a website mm-hmm. and by the way they show episodes of mr rogers neighborhood on that website and they alternate them every two weeks they change them so you can see the programs there too the mr rogers programs so there's many sources of catching up with the neighborhood you guys absolutely and uh, relive your childhood <laughs> yes yes, yes. The link to the fred rogers productions website will be in the description for people to connect and your and, so. your, and your, email, your email will be in down below so people can connect with you through that way mm-hmm. yes yes so now this this last question that chris is about to ask yes we, at, we ask uh pretty much every guest on this show Okay. Uh, we asked him this last question. Go ahead, Chris. Yes, thank you. So, of course, this podcast is called Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show. When you think of nostalgia, what do you think of? Or in your own words, how would you define nostalgia? How would I find nostalgia? Yeah, How? what, yes. what does nostalgia mean to you? Yeah. Boy, that is a good and difficult question. But what it means to me is what i grew up with as a child books that i read as a child and programs that i saw as a child and things that and the plays my grandfather took me to i explained harvey earlier in my mind that's nostalgia it was also a learning experience so i see nostalgia as a uh, a just a, a, a taking me back to a wonderful childhood but also reminding me of my grandfather and my parents my and my family and that's nostalgic for me too so nostalgia means so many different things to me but i think what it means the most to me is how much i loved being with my family and my grandfather and what he introduced me to because in a way he introduced me to the career that I'm into now by taking me to that play, Harvey, introducing me to something beyond that would entertain and, others. And that's not beyond. Yeah. And that's, I think, how I see nostalgia in my way. And it's very positive. Uh, I think a po- nostalgia is a very positive word. And it's and it's a whimsical. And so sometimes it could be a little sad, too. You're a little nostalgic for the days gone by. You know, that's it's a little wistful, too. But all of that gets together. Right. But I see it as one word, nostalgia being something that means a lot to me. And I, I, I see it as a very positive remembrance. I guess I can put it that way. Great words and yeah, Yes, great words and the- Thank you very much. To- did that explain it did i yeah yeah absolutely absolutely well david thank you so much for taking time to do this this is really fun yeah and and, 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 you know and and since we're about very close 
actually very wrap up soon. You know, I just wanted to you know, just take this time and say that, you know, thank you so much for not just, you know, for you being on, but as well as, you know, thank you so much for what you're doing for Mr. Washington Hood, Mr. McFeely to keep going for our, you know, legacy and keep up. And, you know, thank you very much for what you've you know, done for, for so many childhood for, you know, for both for us and you know in general and the so community. many other fans out there you know who well, still well, likes you. watching you know and i'm you know and i'm glad that we have this time to actually make it happen so i'm, I'm well I'm, I'm, thanks. and we're very grateful for that so thank you very much and, well, I, and thank you for and you know and keep up good work and can i wait what's next what's next in store for you if with more speed deliveries and more around the country yeah, if, we, yeah. we, we can do part part two someday and we can have your dad or we can have or we can have like an anniversary or we can have like an anniversary you know like an anniversary or something yeah maybe we could get we could get you know everyone we could get francois on here or chuck or betty or have like a kind of reunion thing who knows yeah for like an anniversary or something yeah well let's let me see what i can find out where everybody is or and we'll go from there but Absolutely. you guys certainly did your homework you surprised me you you knew more than i did i think i forgot about some <laughs> of the stuff yeah. so thank you very much yes. well enjoy the rest of your you. day david uh keep in touch okay that's that's we're here for yes and spread the word about being available still you know yes. people don't know that if right. you yes, can yes absolutely and, and i will yes absolutely yeah. and, and i will and i will let you know when this episode goes up yes okay all right thank you and one speedy more time. Speedy, speedy delivery. 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 <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye, David. Bye. Take care, David. Thanks, David. Take care. See ya. Bye. 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 Bye, David. There you go. And it's goodbye from us as well. We absolutely enjoy our time. David Newell, Mr. McFeely himself, Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. Officer Clements and now Mr. Mr. McFeely on, on this show. Yes, yes. Please and check out. So, please so check out the documentary. Uh, yes, yes. Delivery. Check out the Speedy oh, Delivery documentary and uh, wonderful. Keep, keep on the lookout for more. <laughs> keep <laughs> on the lookout for more wonderful interviews yes. to come. We absolutely enjoyed our time with David Newell, and as always, what do we yeah. say, Jake? Keep nostalgia alive. Take anyone. See you next time, and, and hope you guys can tune in for 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 of course another amazing episodes coming your way very soon. Until then, take care and see you next time. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. delivery. Goodbye. Speed delivery. Speed delivery. Thank you for tuning in to another wonderful Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show interview. Be sure to follow Jake and the crew on social media and stream the show wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And as always, remember to keep nostalgia alive. Bye-bye.